0: Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies.
1: Hello and welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host Brett Ramsey where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey Brett, how are you?
2: I'm just super duper today
1: super duper. Do you have a super duper story for us today?
2: Oh, I do have a super duper story for us today. You know, um, my youngest son has had a, a, a unique journey, uh, recently. I think we talked a little bit about his injury, but one of the things he's trying to figure out right now is really what I call, what's he want to be when he grows up. And, um, And the reason why it's so important to him is that he's uh, an athlete and he's uh, getting recruited to play in college, but some of the colleges don't offer, you know, certain things. So he's trying to figure it all out. And that's tough when you're 17. And I've been thinking back over my own journey and, you know, I've been doing this uh, for over 20 years now. So everybody kind of sees like and they think, oh, this is this is what Brett does. But, you know, I, I think as, as we were starting out in, in life and trying to figure out this thing, it, it always looks kind of like a straight line, but, but my experience has been, it's a, it's a curvy windy road with lots of different stop signs and turns and things. And and so our guest today, I think had a few of those in her life and, and she's going to share her story, but but I always think it's important for, for some of our clients and our listeners to understand how I can relate to you personally. So uh, I've had a couple of what I call career disruptions along the road, and two might even be a small number. It's probably more like 22, but two big ones. And and I, I used to work for some big companies. So coming out of college, I worked for a large company, and and I was involved in a, a corporate restructuring. So when someone goes through that personally, I really know how that feels to walk in literally one day and there's someone in your office or someone there at your job site that's not normally there getting ready to give you some bad news. But one of the most uh, important ones for me personally was, and, and really I'm, I'm thankful because without it, I wouldn't be here today doing what I love doing. And and what I, I really encourage our, our listeners to think about, and I think Jennifer today is going to share a, a couple of really good stories about this is you know, sometimes when we're, we're throwing something, yeah, you know, we've heard the expression. You know, how do I turn lemons into lemonade? And I've been doing a lot of reading lately, and and just focusing on this idea of of mindset. Like, how do we get our mind right when we're faced with challenges and things? And so, for me personally, I I, I can look back now very clearly and and understand like the day on Friday I was on the organizational chart. We knew there was a big reorganization going to occur on Friday. I was on it on Monday when it came out and was distributed to the entire company. This was a big company. It was a fortune 250 company. I wasn't on it. Oh no. So like that feeling of, Oh my gosh, how did I go from literally, I was executive vice president of that company on Friday to not literally on the chart on Monday. How did those things happen and, and how do we react to them? And how do we feel about those kinds of things? And it's so unsettling. But for me personally, I I just had this mindset of, of, okay, that, you know, I've said this a bunch that, which does not kill me, makes me stronger. Right. And so that like, but, but when I'm meeting people, I, I find that our biggest challenge sometimes is helping people get into the right mindset for where they're at right now, not where they were. Not kind of what they wish they would be, but where are they right now? And then how can we get from where we are now and have that right mindset to where we want to go? And and I really I, I think Jennifer's story and I'll, I'll let her tell a little bit about it as someone who I've seen over the course of time be really good at figuring out like where she is but where does she want to be? And what are the changes and things that she needs to make and do to get to where she wants to be? And so, you know, with that, I'll, I'll let her introduce herself and give a little bit of, of her, you know, family and personal history to share with our listeners.
1: Thanks for having me on Brett. So I'm Jennifer Clapp, um, married, have two um, college age daughters and uh was offered a buyout retirement from the company i'd worked for for um at that point 29 and a half years and uh they did keep me on till i reached the 30-year mark but having had a plan you know thinking back being invested wasn't as frightening as what i thought being faced with something like that so yeah
2: well, and, and so you're telling about that part of the story. So let's go back a few years, and it's been a few when you yeah. and I first met. So um, I remember when we were first talking, and and uh, geez, that might have been almost like 15 years ago. You know, uh, the
1: best I can recall, 2005 or six. I know our youngest yeah. was in a stroller, and now she's in college. So so 20
2: years ago, yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. It has been a while. And and uh, there's a couple of funny stories, I think, from when we first met that uh, I might tell differently than you and, and your husband might tell it. But uh, I remember um, you've got an interesting email address. So you're someone that, and we're going to get into this a little bit. You're someone who I've, I've said always kind of has in today's words, they'd call it a little bit of a side hustle. Yeah. So you've always had a little something going on uh, a little extra. And so um, I think that we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but When I first met you and your husband, your side hustle and his uh, uh, passion for for golf were in a conflict. And so maybe you can tell our listeners just a little bit about how we met and maybe some of those early advice givings that I I gave you and then why years later uh, we reconnected. So can you maybe share that story a little bit? Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, when we first met, I was selling jewelry. It was a uh, multi-level marketing company home party shows. And it was very profitable. I think at the time I bought Kevin a truck that he just wore completely out, but he loved that truck and it would not have been possible had it not been for that. But my joke was, you know, I was going and having all these home parties, you know, several times a week and, you know, making great money just doing that as a side hustle. And then he'd go golf it all away. So it was kind of a, Hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm making money and you're spending money like this. This was not part of the plan, but, and you you had a great idea, Brett. We both got a little bit of money that was our own money out of our paychecks and, you know, neither the two shall meet. We, I had mine and he had his, and it wasn't part of our regular, you know, monthly bills type money. It was just our own little play money. And that has still works very well for us thanks to you. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, and and, and that's the part of the story. I think sometimes when we're like, and that's why I love your journey is when we're first starting out and we were talking about like, we're married, we have kids in strollers and we're trying to figure all this stuff out is really hard to think, you know, 15, 20 years down the road and getting, uh, you know, the, the things that we want and, and the lifestyle that we want, and, and then still keeping that, you know, magical thing called retirement out into the distance. So maybe and I know yeah, now you can kind of look back on it, but what were some of the key habits? I mean, you talked about a little bit of it. I, I used to joke, I called that pocket money. Everybody needs a little pocket money. Everybody needs a little something that they can spend at their own discretion that isn't killing the the, the family bank account, it isn't, you know, taking away from the things that are the key bills, but then you can, you can go out and use that money, whether it's your hobby or interests or going out to dinner. But, you know, that, that seems to be a key habit that I find of people that are successful is they have a little extra cushion and they have a way of putting that kind of stuff into their budget. But what are maybe some of those other key habits that you guys adapted, uh, you know, so many years ago now that when you look back on it really have helped you be in the position that you are today?
1: Uh, Investing financially was, I think, the number one thing. It was actually when Kevin and I were engaged. Uh, He came over to start working on some wedding plans and he looked at me and said, I'm not going another step until you enroll in the 401k at work. As we both worked for the same company, he knew exactly what options I had available to me. And I had not been invested at all and had worked there for seven years. And he said, you you know, you're you're leaving money on the table. You're you're just basically throwing it away. And so I wanted to get married and I wanted (laughs) to move forward with the wedding plan. So I did exactly that. I went in the next day and got a hold of the financial people and got enrolled. But um, thank goodness, because I retired well having right. had, you know, his wisdom to do that. So, yeah.
2: And, and it's so, when you're young, it's so challenging, right? Sometimes to mm-hmm. just put in that, whatever it is, five, 6% and just put it in, turn off your mind and just let it go in there. But you know, when the, when those 30 years came along and, and your company, you were a little bit different is that you also still had a pension plan and and a cash balance plan that was uh, a part of your retirement, but yeah, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, your personal savings with the company match and the 401k was larger than that. Right. And so, uh, um, you know, those are, are the key, key things. Um, so just that time element. And I know that, that we're going to talk about a few other things, but what about the shock, you know, of, of just, okay, when all of a sudden, like you said, you have been there almost 30 years and things are changing and and maybe you can walk our listeners through just kind of those feelings and emotions and and how that all happened for you.
1: There were so many feelings, you know, there was denial, there was fear, there was excitement. Yeah. I remember walking in after a vacation and being met in the elevator lobby by a coworker. And he said, guess what? We're getting an offer. We're going to get bought out. And I said, no, I can't do that. I'm only 52. You know, that's not possible. And he, he took the entire day to try to convince me why that really was possible. And then I remember going home with that challenge of, and now I have to get Kevin on board because, you know, it's great if I believe it, but he needs to trust me and believe it too. And, uh, it took, took a week or so probably I would, I would say to get him to really fully believe, you know, financially we're okay. And it's a blessing and it truly has been a blessing that, that whole process allowed us to pay off the house, have a very nice emergency fund. He, the truck that he wore out got replaced with another new to him used truck. And, um, you know, he's, he was very happy that we did that, but it took a lot of convincing and, and it wasn't without a gamut of emotions. I mean, there was a lot of just fear of starting over, you know, even good change is scary sometimes. So,
2: right. You know, and that, that, and, and I remember, you know, that's, I think when you reached back out to me again, cause we hadn't really been connected for a while mm-hmm. and you were going through that change and, and you reached out to our magic website and found me and, yeah sent me a note and I was like, Holy cow. I don't, I remember that name, but you know it, it, had been, it had been a while and we ended up um, meeting because of my kids were were literally right down the road from you. And so we were able to meet at a, at a Panera and have one of those big official kind of meetings that people have sometimes yep, to kind of get, yeah, to get, get updated on, on what was going on. But you mentioned uh, your emotions and everything, and then getting your husband on board with some of those changes. And And now I think, uh, you know, in our last review, I think he's even looking forward to, man, maybe I'll get one of those packages. Right. And and so uh, my, my, oh my, how things have changed. But one of the things that I thought was really unique about your situation is that, you know, you're not a person who likes to be idle. You talked about, you know, having a, you know, the jewelry uh, um, business that was going earlier in your life. And so you took that transition and that, that buyout and the, the things that came with it, which were obviously some severance pay and, and those, you use that severance. Well, you use that to pay off some some debts and, and to get things kind of squared away, but you just leapt right into a bunch of different side hustles. So what'd you start doing with your time? Once you, once you left.
1: Well, I took a year off and, and, decided I'd cleaned everything that could be cleaned in the house and uh, had shrunk some things. And Kevin said, you you need to get out of the house. You need to work. Um, You're making me crazy. And he was still working at home, still is actually to this day, and decided, yeah, it was time to go back to work. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had a long list of different places. You know, I might be interested in working at the post office. I might be interested in the IRS, all these different places, but I, you know, really remember saying to Kevin, I just want something to fall in my lap and, and a great job did fall in my lap and, and it's going very well. But you mentioned the side hustle, you know, I've had a love of quilting for since the nineties, you know, most of my life and found myself always taking my pieced quilt tops out to be quilted. And so I finally just kind of jumped in and bought a used quilting machine, a long arm quilting machine. And now people bring their pieced quilt tops to me. And that has turned into my hobby paying for itself, so to speak. I'm sure over the years it will grow, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a hobby that pays for itself. So it's, it's my little side hustle that is just fun. It's, it's put in my passion to work for me.
2: Right. And I think that's uh, you know, I'm, I'm smiling here. People can't see that because it's a podcast, but <laughs> the reason why I'm smiling is because my, my wife and, and, uh, has found a passion for, for pickleball. And one day she was playing this uh, game and, uh, someone she was playing with commented on that they were a pickleball instructor and that last year, their passion for pickleball had earned them $80,000 pickleball instructing. Nice. So now my wife is becoming a pickleball instructor and trying to turn her passion and hobby into something that allows her some flexibility and changes and uh, and so that's why I love hearing those kinds of stories right is because so often there are things that we are passionate about that we just haven't thought about how can I do more of that or how can I do that you know one of the things that I challenge people normally when they're approaching retirement not like in your situation where it was kind of thrust upon you but. I use the phrase, let's practice retirement, right? So what would we do with our time if we weren't working all of these hours each week? And uh, where would we go? What would we do? Would it cost us money or would it bring money in? And so uh, sometimes for the men listeners out there, uh, people laugh at the guys that become like starters or Rangers at golf courses, because it basically allows them to go out and be doing what they love and they get paid a little bit of money, but more than anything, it's the ability to connect with other people that are passionate about the same things that they are. And, and therefore, instead of it becoming a big expense, at least maybe it's a break even or something that that's uh, a little there. So I know, I know you've done a great job of that, but if I'm not mistaken, you did some other little side jobs too, that, uh, uh, Were you, uh, I'm trying to remember, was it Uber or Uber Eats or something like that? DoorDash. DoorDash. That was it, right?
1: Did some DoorDash deliveries in my idle time. Yeah. Yeah. It was very profitable. It was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Um, It was a learning
1: experience. It was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. So what were some highs and lows of DoorDashing?
1: Uh, You know, setting your own timeframe and being able to turn it on and off. That was, that was very, the flexibility it was nice. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, actually. Felt like it was doing a service to people. Right. And of course, that was coming out of COVID, Right. and so people were afraid to leave their house. It was a lot of leaving it on their front porch and, you know, wave at the window kind of thing, but um, it was actually a lot of fun. really yeah. enjoyed it. I learned what areas to stay out of. <laughs> I ended up in a project area one night after dark. That was a little bit frightening, but I also learned that, you know, certain areas you know, people were very friendly and very nice and made friends at a lot of restaurants where they were like, hey, you want some fries? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You know, I had local McDonald's um, nearby, a couple little towns over. Every time I went in, the lady was like, you you want a Coke refill? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Thank thank you very much. Yeah.
2: Well, and and the reason why I bring that up is because sometimes when people are in transition or something kind of comes at them or happens to them, they don't start to think about like, God, I call it, how do I make the lemonade out of it? And, you know, and, and you did, and, you know, you've shared that, uh, you know, with things like, Hey, we got a new truck, you know, Hey, um, you know, we were able to, to do the house and now tell me a little bit, I know that the housing piece of the puzzle actually came into play because I remember, you know, like something just kind of came in your lap a little bit there, like you said that, that you weren't expecting. So maybe, I don't know if I really prepped you for that question very well, but, you know, maybe tell a little bit about it's how okay. your, yep. uh, your housing situation has changed, uh, in, in this process?
1: We had, like I said, we had paid off the house and it was going to be our forever home best laid plans. Right. They always change, but, um, we, we loved that house. It was a great house for us. But when we found ourselves both working from home and I was using a makeshift office space in our bedroom, Kevin was in the basement in the finished part of the basement with his office and neither of us with real office space just you know propping up boxes and boards trying to make it work and uh when it became very apparent that i was back to work and staying working from home and he would be staying working from home uh i realized you know it would be really nice if we both had our own dedicated office space and was looking uh on facebook one night and then late at night it was on halloween several years ago and saw a house around the corner that was for sale same neighborhood, 25 houses away, turn, you know, make two turns and you're there. And I said to him, Hey, this house is really nice. Do you want to take a look at it? And I couldn't believe that he agreed, but he did. And because our house was paid for, we were uh, in a position that we can make an offer on it. And they accepted our offer for a lot less simply because we did not have that need to sell our house first. There would be no contractual issue waiting on hours to sell nothing pending. We were good to go. And uh, they accepted our offer in two days. We were we <laughs> were buying a house and moving 25 houses away. And it did give us both our own dedicated office space. And, and it's just been a blessing. I mean, we did go from not having a mortgage to having a mortgage again, but it's very small because of the way the situation worked out. And, yeah. you know, it was, couldn't have worked out any better.
2: So. And 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 did the view improve? I, the I, view I,
1: did improve. Yes, we I, have a I, I, gorgeous view of the woods and a valley and yeah, yeah it's amazing. Beautiful. I never sunset. got to I never
2: got to stay on the sun sun porch or whatever Yule. of the old house, but the new house I was at yeah. and and it's pretty breathtaking and so uh, I can absolutely see why you wanted to upgrade that view if nothing else because uh it is pretty impressive. And like you said, and you use a phrase, the forever house. And I know that, you know, once again, we're kind of jumping around in your story, but one of the things that we talked about when we first met almost 20 years ago was this idea that I use all the time of, of how do we, how do we really build wealth? And, and I talk about well, we have to spend less than we make Right. And then we talked about putting a debt elimination plan in place. And what's so fascinating for me, and it's so rare that I get to see the whole arc of someone's life. Right. Like, And then so I hadn't seen you in probably 15 years. And all of a sudden you show up, like I said, on the website and we come and meet and like all those things that we talked about 20 years ago, you did. Right, like you know, you eliminated the debt at that point. You hadn't bought the new house, but you had the house paid off. You had the car paid off. You you were saving at a high level in the four hundred one k. And now all of a sudden, my my company is is downsized, and you know all those things are there. And and so as we're starting to put your your puzzle together and your retirement, I was laughing a little bit because that's a little bit when we were going through the projections. That's when Kevin said, "Okay, maybe I can get one of those deals too," right. because now you're prepared and and you're well prepared. But And I know what's really important to you is you mentioned your two daughters in college. And and when we first met, I know that came like just resonating right out as all these money habits that you now have, that you take for granted, that people don't have, right? Like you and Kevin are unique. I can tell you not everybody has the discipline to get out of debt and to save consistently and let it compound over time. Sounds so easy. And then here we are in our mid to late fifties and we're prepared for that next phase of life. And that would love to be that, the story of everyone out there that I meet, why is it so important for you to, to really translate that to your daughters?
1: It's important to Kevin and I, because I don't think we either one grew up in households where money was discussed. There was no education on, you know, how to live financially, you know, certainly, you know, we were taught in all the other areas properly, but financially, it was just kind of a big mystery. And I was at the mercy of basically Kevin, you know, saying we're not getting married until you invest in the 401k. My parents didn't do that. I know his parents did, but it certainly wasn't discussed. And I didn't want my children to grow up living pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck. You know, I wanted them to know that they could be financially independent and that give them those tools and that knowledge. And, you know, ironically, there's another young lady who spends a lot of time in our house. We call her our third daughter and uh, need to speak with you about getting her on track because she had just had a birthday and I gave her some money. And I, you know, I told her, you know, it's important to me to know that you are going to be Okay you know down the road and I can give you this money to invest or you can go blow it it's totally up to you it's your birthday gift but she wants to invest so I have another eligible candidate for you Brett
2: <laughs> we've got we've got a whole slew of, of folks and 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 Jennifer's daughters are just two of them and and I think their story about passing it on and then also you know you talked about and and I think some of it was generational uh you know we're we're roughly the same age and you know my my, I've t- told my parents' story before. I mean, we we come from a very poor rural part of the country, right? I'm from the Ozarks, and you know, to be honest, money was, quite frankly, was very rare. Period, amongst anyone in the community, right? And so, people that owned land and had cattle and things of that nature, they were viewed as wealthy because they had those things, but you know saving and, and learning how to do that and, and all that kind of stuff was was just really foreign and I remember as a child you know my dad almost backhanding me one day at, at a dinner party because I brought up how much money they might make right just wasn't something that they talked about so so many of my clients realized that they didn't really have a mentor maybe th- there was a family member and then they look at their own kids or their grandkids and they're just like you and they're like hey, I don't want my kids to have to learn this the hard way. I want them to learn and and pick it up. So we actually have developed a program specifically for the beneficiaries uh, and and those friends and families, like you said, the third daughter, those, that next generation to help them figure out the basics that I went over with you and Kevin, you know, 20 years ago about, Hey, we got to spend less than we make. We have to eliminate long-term debt. And then we got to save and, you know, and, and, and build that, emergency cushion and, and, but then also save for that long-term. And, you know, when people add all that together, it looks so simple from the outside to have that financial flexibility to be able to do those things. But as you know, it takes that time, right? It doesn't happen instantaneously. And, and so, so I love working with your daughters and I love their, their, they don't always know why, but they know it's important, right? Because yes. you've stressed it, right? And so they're starting to see that they're starting to accumulate some wealth and, we can talk about all the right ways to do that and all that kind of stuff on, on a different podcast. But what they're starting to learn about is just the importance of time and money linked together Mm -hmm. and
1: discipline.
2: discipline, Right. And it's that simple, you know, I've heard it say this way before, you know, you got to learn how to, you know, I was raised in, in, a uh, you know, quite frankly in the church. And so we used to give, right. And so we give, give first, and then we saved second and then we spent third. Right. And so sometimes it's those little simple things, that, that are those little baby habits that we have that, that build up into the big habits that, that are so, so powerful over time. And so one of the things, you know, like I said, you've gone through this transition, you're kind of on the other side, but then you ended up going back to work. And, and so, you know, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that piece of the puzzle for you. What was that like of having, you know, 30 years somewhere and now kind of this scary new post COVID working from home kind of world, yep. maybe share a little bit of that experience
1: it's been very challenging Uh, working from home. I love, I do get to travel to headquarters, which is in Minneapolis. I also love that. And I work with a great group of people, you know, very connected with them, even though it's several States away. And, you know, I think you have to find that right fit for you and the right company to go work for. And, you know, ironically, I, I know the Lord was involved. This did just fall in my lap. Someone said to me, you need to apply at this company. And I did, and they liked me, thank God. And, you know, it's, it's been a blessing. It's actually ended up being a, a better job than my career at the telephone company. So it's just been a really good fit and they're a very generous company and, you know, a company like that you want to work hard for. So, you know, I would challenge anybody if, it's scary and you're afraid to take that step. You just need to do it and you'll be better for it. Honestly, as frightening as it is to make that career shift, you know, it can just totally be a blessing.
2: Right. And so, so many people are are faced with making that shift at a stage of life when they didn't think that was going to be what they were doing. And so, you know, and it is, it is scary. It is a change and it, it doesn't always, uh, what I call end with all happy endings, but normally, uh, if we're open, if we have the right mindset, we can, we can be there. So as we kind of think about, you know, you're now, let's say a few years away from maybe making another shift. So if you could kind of tell our our listeners, like, what are you, for lack of a better term, the most excited about because you are well-prepared for retirement, that that's not a scary thing. So what are you excited about, but what are maybe still some of the things that you are maybe a little nervous or concerned about?
1: I am excited that I know that I will be able to actually retire one day again, (laughs) re-retire, but, um, and know that, you know, financially we're okay. Um, We are on track for this house to be paid off very soon. We will have a decent retirement. Um, You know, we've kind of adopted that strategy. We've set our financial investments, you know, kind of set it and forget it you know, don't go in and panic with the market. Don't, you know, don't pull anything out just because of what the government might do or might not do that kind of a mindset uh, to know that we are okay. And no matter what happens, you know, God's in control and you can set all of your plans accordingly and anything can throw a wrench in it. And so, you know, at this stage, we just know that we're just going to keep, you know, stay in the course and doing what we're doing and,
2: yeah. Anything that, uh, like I said, I knew younger you when I was younger me, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, maybe like you said, the key things, I know some of the things you've shared with your daughters, but with our listeners that, that are maybe in that same same boat, what's that? Like if there is one nugget of, of advice or guidance that you would give them, what, what do you think it would be?
1: Mm, I would say it's kind of twofold. Um, make sure you're invested properly and stay on a budget no matter what. And I know several times I myself got off track with the budget. You know, something looks shiny and new and oh, I think I want to buy that. And you know, that doesn't bring you happiness. But the security will bring you the happiness down Great. the road.
2: Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing so much of your story. Like I said, uh, it's been fun watching your journey and I'm excited about continuing to watch your journey and uh and helping uh you and Kevin and your girls and uh your I'm going to call your third daughter uh, daughter. and and we'll get to know her soon too. And make sure that she's on track. Um, But uh, just thank you so much for spending time and sharing your story with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. Brett. If somebody has some more questions about your process and how to go about this, how do they get in touch with you?
2: Well, just like Jennifer did, you go to our website in that wonderful, you know, interweb place and look up artisan wealth strategies. You'll find us, you'll find the link right there. And you'll be able to connect with us, get on our calendar, phone call, Zoom meeting, whatever it takes to get to know you as, a, as a, in the immortal words of John Lovitz, one of my favorite Saturday Night Live actors, get to know me. I can't help you if I don't know you. So please come get to know me.
1: I'm going to keep my mouth shut there, OK? <laughs> thank you, Brett. And thank you, Jennifer. Uh, thank you as well for joining us today. Please like, follow and share this podcast. Until next time. I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC.